0: Good evening to all of you. Well, that was pretty pretty bad. <laughs> no, that's fine. No, that's fine. Get your snacks. All right. Tell tell the person sitting beside you who you saw today. You know, makes make sure the grocery order is put in. You know, all that. I'll give you a minute or two to relax, and then we can we can do it. It was pretty. Yeah, it's pretty deficient in our. Uh, greeting right there. We'll try it again. All right, good evening. evening. Nah, it's fake. Y'all didn't mean any of that either. You were just trying to show off then. (laughs) Tonight, we are going to be in predominantly the book of Mark, a little bit of the book of John, but you can also go to Matthew or to Luke and you'll be able to find this as well. So we'll be in Uh, a lot of different places, I guess, from time to time, but Mark and in particular Mark chapter 11, as we said last week, when we're covering, uh, these last week of Jesus life lessons, most of what we study is actually going to be in the last chapter or two, uh, of each of the gospels as well. The the exception tonight will be John. and We'll talk a little bit about that, uh, here as we go forward. Um, but tonight we're going to be talking about, and I think we'll be able to cover this uh, in one evening here this evening, uh, is the final week of Jesus, and we're talking about the money changers. Okay, uh, And we'll look at, through that a little bit more. We've titled it uh, for tonight, Lesson 2, Jesus Cleanses the Temple. And So like I said, we're going to work out of the book of Mark to start with, and then we'll go to the book of John after that. Um, as a way of introduction, we've been talking about uh, the last couple of weeks, Jesus' last week. Uh, and when Jesus rode in Jerusalem on the first day of the week, he then enters into the temple. And I believe then, last week, we talked about the temple and how uh, they the, the gates and things were set up, uh, the, the, the courts that have to pass or to keep people from being able to pass through. This is a model of the temple. It's in Israel now. It's not a real thing. It's a real thing, but it's not. uh, It's sort of made the scale of what it would be like. But you could go uh, and visit this. But this uh, is the temple. And you may remember a few years back, two or three years back, we talked about the temple. I think Ben has done something maybe more recently than that, (coughs) talking about the temple uh, as well. But what was the temple to the people of Jerusalem? The dwelling place of God, the dwelling place of God, in the starting point. But what else was it? Even maybe not even totally religious. It was their identity as the as a the people. It was sort of the the town square of, of, of it uh, maybe where where people sort of came together, um, where you might have crossed paths with people. So there was a religious aspect of this, but there was a sort of cultural and a social aspect to the temple as well. And so when Jesus will go into the city, and we're going to be in day two uh, tonight, that that would be the place where you would start. It would make sense that you would go into that place. And after looking around and healing the blind and the lame, he then returns to Bethany in the evening. And that was on the first day. We talked uh, a bit about that uh, in the last week or so.
1: Okay.
0: so tonight we're going to be talking about the second day. Uh, the second day. Uh, several things are happening. We're not going to spend as much time on some of these things, except for the money changers. But Jesus pronounced judgment on the unproductive fig tree. You may remember just a couple of months ago. When we were finishing up our miracle story, uh, that was uh, one of the things that we talked about. Um, Jesus was, you sensed a bit of frustration um, in Jesus. You may remember that he saw that tree from afar and it looked, you know, it looked like it, what, what would be a good snack or a good place to rest it ended up not being any of that. Um, he'll end up uh, going into the temple and we'll see more about that in just a second. Uh, and casting out the uh, merchandisers. So sometimes you'll see that word used uh, rather than money changers. Uh, and then at the end, he and his disciples will leave the city, um, return to the Mount of Olives in the evening. So we've got pictures there of a fig tree at the top, a little artistic rendering of Jesus and the merchandisers or the money changers, and then a picture of the Mount of Olives today. All right. Well, let's talk about money changers for just a second. I know that's not going to be real big, but I wanted the picture uh, to show up there uh, pretty good for us. But Jesus and his disciples have journeyed to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover feast in obedience to the law. Every male among the Jews was required to attend this feast in Jerusalem every year. So we're talking about a sizable amount of people. What can we maybe relate to that we have to do every year is there anything that we as a group or an entity not even just christian entity but in community have to do every year pay taxes. taxes all right that's something that we would all have to do when we mail them in you know now or mail in the form so that's something that everybody has to do what's something else that we might all have to do is there anything else Die. We'll all have to die every year. Well, a, yeah. I guess I didn't like my death this year. We'll try it again next year. We'll try to do better. Um, what, for what's that? For license people. our vehicles. That, that's for, there's some court things that we might would have to do. But even like a driver's license uh, is only every few years. The vehicle and the taxes and the tags. On them, But we don't have a whole lot of things that we all have to do. But when you do have to do something like that, it might be going to pay taxes or it might be going to license your vehicle, it might be going to vote, you'll probably see people that you know. You may utter the word, I'm not seeing you in a year. Or maybe I'm not seeing you since the last time that we did this. Well, you can imagine that this appearance that Jesus makes at the Passover feast, there's going to be a lot of people there that they know, Right? but maybe a lot of people that you're not come into contact with. And so while this is a religious thing, it can't help but be a sort of social thing for people to get, to get together, together, how are you, what have you done, all of this. Well, what we're going to be looking at here is some other people that would have been there as well. And when Jesus goes into the temple on the second day, he found in the outer court of the temple, which is called the court of the Gentiles, a market for buying and selling animals needed for sacrifice. And so there were animals that had to be sacrificed, and you had to provide that. So explain to me why there might be a market off to the side where one could buy or sell those animals. Tom? It might not have been feasible to have brought your sacrificial animals a long distance. Why else would it maybe be there? might not have had one. You might not have had an animal that met the requirements for the sign cross. What else? Sometimes it's just easier to do it there, right? You know, the ball game starts in an hour. We can cook here at home. Do we have time or can we just get a hot dog at the game, right? Well, why do we sometimes get a hot dog at the game? It's, it's there, it's You got to pay for it. But it's there and it's convenient. And the same reason could be for people coming in to buy uh, one of these sacrificial animals. And so these money changers or merchandisers, whatever word you want to use, sort of play that role of someone involved in the buying and the selling. There was tables for money changers who exchanged Roman coins for Jewish coins. Because all Jews were required to pay a half shekel, which is a Jewish coin, each year for the service of the temple. So you got people there that are prepared to say, I can help you out with this situation. And I can help you out with what you have to pay. Well, there are people at all the banks in town that can help you out with things as well. We've been talking about this in my government classes for the last several days. But if you go and borrow money, you will have to pay it back. Plus what? If you borrow $1,000, you don't have to pay back $1,000. You've got to pay back $1,000 a little bit more, right? If you borrow $100,000, you've got to pay that a lot more uh, back, as it were. But money changers play that sort of lender-loaner exchange rate as well. Boo, I know you all have been to several countries. Do you try to use... Local money when you go to those places, or is there? Usually, usually we Most places want credit cards and city cash,
1: uh-huh. and
0: so that's that's what we usually do. So, if you didn't hear, she's been to a few different countries, and she said in the past you would maybe you, you would exchange to get you know Italian money or. Uh, you know, Greece, Greek money or whatever it might be, but now places more credit cards, not as much cash. But when you go to exchange money, if you're trying to exchange, you know, dollars and, you know, coins or whatever, there's usually a fee that goes with that as well. And, the rate is pretty, it's pretty steep. and usually the rate is pretty steep. But they do that because what do you need? You need that, you need that money. And so when the money changers are there, when you're there and you need this Jewish coin, you need this half shekel for service of the temple. Well, there's somebody there that can help you. This will cost you a little bit extra. So what are the people that are lending out the money or changing out the money? What are they making in all of this? They're making a profit out of this. This is a good way to make money. You've got a captive audience. It's a good way to make money. Now, this is not going to sit well with Jesus here in your section. Yeah. yeah so you're not going to escape right. it. Right. So even using a credit card there's a fee that would maybe be applied from other places. Maybe. Yeah, I think about these, like what you're talking about. It's not even so much that they are running a new business. It kind of shoots a vision of error. Sure. Requirements that were made by the Jewish people, handed down to Moses, uh, that they carried uh, that through. And there were strict requirements on what was good or what was bad. What do you think the purpose of that would have been?
2: Well, he also made a way for poor people. Sure. Not everybody could afford a cow or a lamb, so he made. The for poor people, you can do or tur- tur- uh, mm-hmm. something cheaper. Right. So he
1: made a way for everybody. Right. right? So it wouldn't be uh, real bad,
2: hardship. But I think he wanted to set a hardship for yes. sin. Sin should cost you something. It ain't just about worship; it's about pain your sin okay. and I that, think. And
1: that was for uh, I'm sorry. sorry. Yes. Yes. Don. Yes. Was there ever any indication, even though they hadn't traveled long distances and everything, that that they had not provide something from themselves? I mean, if I had, if I had to do something, and I get it from you. I you know, I don't
0: get my money getting it from you. But you're an old law scholar, but I think the fact that they could buy from here uh would allow it doesn't seem to necessarily
2: say that I have to provide my own. Whatever way I can get it, I would be able to get it, right? And also they turned it into a market. you may bring your own there and they're gonna find a flaw and they say, so No, you can't use this. Yeah. You gotta go out here and buy it a house. And I don't know how much of
1: that was going on, but I know some of that was going on. I see the connection. Like if I buy, then it's it mine. But it seems like to me that kind of skirting position. Well, I think I think, That's exactly what I think
2: it's fair. I think you
0: can look at this and absolutely see sort of a skirting by, you know, as doing as maybe as little as you have to do, which goes inside the uh, sacrifice.
1: The fact that there's a hundred people. Yeah. Well I was just gonna say, I guess it would be like if Maria has land and I don't so Maria can have land and she can take her land and she's good. Well I don't have the land, so I guess the fact that I would spend money on the money would be kind of my sacrifice. Sure. It, it sure. Like, it's 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 costing you something. Yeah. that it. would be, cause I don't need
0: to go out and steal one thing. Sure. Sure.
1: One guy said one time, did Uh-huh. There. there was a man in Gas Camp that 10 years ago that sold bulls, and guy goes to buy a bull and he prays four or five different bulls in there one at a time. No, I don't want that one, I don't want that one, I don't want that one. And he said, well, let me go get you one that you'll really like. And so unbeknownst to the guy that settled, this guy puts a mark on the bull he just to show it. And so he goes around the circle, gone fifteen, and just comes back with the exact same bull and said, Now this one is way better than the one that you bought by first. Right. two hundred dollars more. Right. There's Right, that's all sure, going on. sure. These guys were doing that. That was the problem with it. it these were, it's one thing to have a fair exchange, but it's another thing to have an unfair exchange. Sure. And we see that sometimes when you pay a $5 for an ice cream company. <coughs> mm-hmm. It's not really thievery, thing for you, but it kind of is thievery.
0: It's an ice cream company when you pay it. You know, sure, so can, you, don't you don't have to buy it. Yeah. You don't have to buy You have to buy it. This but is from... This is where we see it in Exodus chapter thirty, verses eleven through sixteen. Ben, do you care to read this, sir? It's a little longer, but then
2: the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, "When you take the census of the children of Israel for their number, then every man shall give a ransom for himself to the Lord. When you number them, that they that there may be no plague among them when you number them. This is what everyone among those who are numbered shall give: I a half shekel according to the shekel." of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 girders. The half shekel shall be offering to the Lord. Everyone including including among those who are numbered from 20 years old and up shall give an offering to the Lord. The rich shall not give more, the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When you give an offering to the Lord to make an atonement for yourselves and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel Shall it for the service of the tavern, that will be, that it may be a memorial for the children of before
0: the Lord make the for and so this was the requirement that's there when we talk about things like taxes if you pay income taxes well if somebody makes hundred thousand dollars a year and somebody makes twenty thousand dollars a year you're going to fall into a different tax bracket but that same person goes to the store and buys a Coke they're going to pay the same sales tax, whether you're a billionaire or whether you don't have more than $2. And this is what it is we see within. They were required, everyone over 20 years of age, this was a requirement that they had to be able to pay. So it probably was, in this case, more challenging for people who were poor than for those people who would have been rich. But I wanted us to see where they were drawing back. And really everything that we see uh, when it comes to sacrifice, when it comes to Requirements for Passover feast and all these things—they all come out of the Book of Exodus. So they're all things that were uh, assigned to the people uh, as they were leaving, uh, as they were leaving Egypt. Any other questions about that, Well, it's perhaps a cynical approach to it, I get, but also wasn't the whole thought of the whole old law was that people, it becomes a checklist of things to do and sincerity sort of falls out the window. I can't do this, I can't do that. We talked about that a few weeks back about um, about, um, the Sabbath day. Uh, and, and sort of made the rules up sort of as they went. We didn't carry, you know, this is light enough, but this is too heavy kind of a thing. Uh, I, I think that I understand exactly what you're saying and we see that sort of nailed to the cross with Jesus that that sacrifice asks something different of us.
1: Yes. So, um, hey, two. Yes. giving uh-huh. and giving themselves. But then when Jesus came on board, then they had to start understanding mercy and forgiveness, right. which they never had practiced before. Right. You can <laughs> hate your brother with every fiber of your being as long as you've been hurting. But in the new law, Jesus says, you've hurt. We've And I think the sincerity is no different than us today. They
2: require to make a giving. We're required to make a giving. If you don't put no effort or thought into it, you just give the bare minimum when you get by within your conscious giving then it can be insincere. So when you really study and benefit of what you're giving and give from the heart, give willingly lovingly and sacrificially to God, then I think it's the same with them. When we can put ourselves in their shoes anyway. Right. They may be just paying some money, but if it's from the heart and love and devotion to God, then, then I think it's just as sincere. You're right.
1: Amen. It's all your heart. I sure. think it's in your heart. It? Sure. Sure. because It's <laughs> just <laughs> amazing. The on to
0: come outside home and get Can you come in and turn on the So I don't know if you heard what Maria and Sam was saying right there, but she has. Uh, the Jewish folks that live, I guess, lived close to you and around you and friends with you or whatever, and they were restricted as to what they would be able to do. For instance, turn the cell phone, turn the television off. But they go to the neighbor or yell at the neighbor next door or whatever, who's not Jewish, to come over and push this button, you know, can you turn? Uh, you know, it's so not a lot of sincerity necessarily in that as well. All right, I told you we'd go to Mark 11, and and we need to go to Mark 11, so let's go to Mark 11 right now. This is Mark chapter 11. Uh, We're going to read verses 15 through 17 uh, to start with. Uh, Tony, do you care to read this? Okay, Connie, you want to read verses 18 and 19 then? And the scribes and chief priests heard it and saw how they liked the story, for they feared
1: him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening
0: had come, he went out of the city. All right, so a few questions here to consider on what we just read. First of all, we read in Mark 11, verse 15. Jesus and his disciples come to Jerusalem, and Jesus, Jesus, Jesus enters the temple and does a few things first of all who does he cast out from the temple (laughs) all right he cast out those it says that bought and sold in the temple so he was frustrated with kind of the whole crew and that goes back to
2: saying he didn't cast out just those who sold but those who bought too so he was frustrated with the whole situation absolutely it wasn't
0: necessarily just the merchandisers but the participants in that as well who does uh, he overthrew whose tables Overthrew the tables of the money changers and overthrew whose seats? Those that sold doves. And so the level of frustration here seems to be rather high. Ben's mentioned that a couple of times right here. Not only that, I think what Connie read, or maybe it was Tony in verse 16, he also didn't allow any man to carry what through the temple? It said, wares. don't use the word wares that much anymore. What does it mean that they weren't allowed to carry their wares through the temple? The stuff they have So not only are we not selling, you can't back the truck up and load it all in and haul it through here as you do as well. Why would he say that? This is strictly opinion, but why would he say that? It's just like it's not for commercial activity. This is not the place, not the place.
2: Making a circus of it. Like you said, like you've got going to the game to buy hot dogs, you know. Maybe you got somebody going through there selling non bread or something like that. It's a little bit
0: of a... I, I looked at it sort of like as an enticement. But, you know, look at all the stuff that they're hauling in here. You know, you, you ever been to, to, to Walmart and they're unloading the stuff? And, the, and I, I would never look at any of that stuff. But you look at it like I could use all of those things right like there. Well, it's the same kind of thing perhaps happens right here. Jesus prevented people from using the temple as a thoroughfare for any type of commercial activity. <coughs> commercial activities... Can quickly take the place of religious activities. Commercial activities replace religious activities even today. We still see that happen where the church becomes more commercial than it does religious.
2: And that could be a really big temptation for the priests or the elders or sure. the else who's leaving this church, and then you
1: start chasing the money and then rather than the people or what God does. Absolutely. Then I think just <clears throat> speaks highly. Of Jesus' strength, his manliness, his uh, authority. Uh, these people, most of these people, don't care at all who this man is. But this guy here is coming in and causing commotion. And you don't really see a lot of backlash. You know? Sure. It seems like they're leaving the temple. Sure. And gathered up and getting out there as quick as they can. Uh, Jesus was very strong. I think we all been picture just being this little timid little fellow that's scared to be shattered. And that's the Father's sanctum our mind. It uh, should be. He is, he is a man. and strong and he's robust, and he is uh, he, he, righteous, happy, but he is not happy. Well, he says he the Lord, authority, yes, right. that, that would take care of any situation. You would somebody who said,
0: uh, yes. kind of like Richard Burton to me, you know, he, he, on TV. Wow. He the That's a good timely <laughs> reference there. <laughs> Ninety-five year old man, fronting the hit for thirty years. <laughs> we all know Richard Burton. Actually, we all probably all do. Everybody yeah, married Elizabeth Taylor. All right, Jesus in Mark chapter eleven and verse seventeen is probably written in a palace. Um, he quotes two Old Testament prophets. Uh, I want to read. I want us to read both of these. Uh, you, you get a, a little narrower version of this in Mark eleven and seventeen. But if we look first at the first one. Uh, Isaiah 56 in verse uh, 7. Uh, Jill, do you care to read that one? So Isaiah says, it shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. So, says, a of all nations? so, so in a sense, that's what the temple should be, right? Mm-hmm. Jeremiah 7 verse 11, I think what Don read just a minute ago uh, uh, Leland, you care to read Jeremiah chapter 7, verse 11? Has
1: this house
2: which is called by my name become a den of thieves in your eyes? Behold, I, I, even I have seen it, says the Lord. And so Jesus
0: takes sort of these two scriptures and merges them together and says what it should be, the house of prayer, right? it should be a place to come and worship, it could be a place. To come and sacrifice. It should be a place where I've spent my life. I know I have to go here for the Passover feast. I'm taking my stuff. I'm prepared for it. This is going to cost me. This is going to be a challenge. But that's what it should be. Instead, Jeremiah 7-11, has it not become a being or a place of feast right there? So Jesus quotes both of these. And we see it quite often uh, in the New Testament in the in the four Gospels. That Jesus, a lot of times the words that Jesus says aren't the words of Jesus, right? They're words that were uttered or written by uh, by prophets, hundreds or maybe even, i uh, not thousands, but hundreds of years uh, ahead of time. Thoughts on these two verses? Well, I think sometimes we still
1: have to. There's a little bit of a tightrope walk because there's some people. I'm aware of, and you are too, that consider the building almost to be holy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You go outside and smoke, for instance, but you dare not smoke inside the building. You can go outside and eat, but you dare not eat in the building. Uh, So we have a tendency sometimes to make this place more holy than it needs to be. This is a meeting house of the church, Christ, Okay, Mm -hmm. that's all it is. But but certainly it does deserve our honor and respect. You know, we don't need to stand outside drinking beer. Right. So there there is a balancing act I think sometimes people tilt that one way or another. Too far. And that's from the cause of the Old Testament, that they're, they're
0: seeing. Excuse me. We've seen this then in Mark chapter 11 and verse 18, what we read just a moment ago. What reason did the chief priests and the scribes want to destroy Jesus? What was the word that was used? They feared him. Okay? I don't think the word fear was what the chief priests and the scribes felt. At the start of Jesus' time, probably more annoyance with mm-hmm. Jesus to start with. So, why do you think it has went from maybe annoyance or aggravation, maybe even curiosity? Who is you know Nicodemus came to him, that sort of out of this setting, like you know, how, how does this all work? How do you think it went from annoyance or curiosity to they sought to destroy him because of fear? I think because they saw
1: that they couldn't stop him no matter what they did or said.
0: Okay. Don't know, many, more many more people. Is that what you were saying? So people pick
2: it up on the truth that he's expelling. Uh-huh. And it's the division of our lives. That so these more and more people are following. These they, He's not just
0: spouting stuff off like we see right there. He's quoting Jeremiah and he's, he's quoting Isaiah. They're not just making things up. They're saying things with truth to them. Guess he's a threat to their power and their it's hard to hide that, right? Remember what a couple weeks ago we talked about they wanted to do what to Lazarus? Kill him. They wanted to kill him, which was that now Jesus bit him. He's, there he is dead. You know, that, that would negate what Jesus... You, because you're going to be convinced by a man brought back from the dead, but if he's laying there dead, well, that, it didn't happen, or, or he wasn't really dead in the first place or whatever. They were anything they could, scheming in any way to try and eliminate or trying to knock down the power that Jesus had. Right? I think too right
1: here.
0: Uh huh. Yeah, sure. They didn't seem too worried about the money changers. But uh, you uh,
1: just—I like just said a political candidate. If any political candidate, I don't care who that person is, says, "I want to run and I want to raise your taxes," yeah. they will never say that. Sure. Me.
0: Yeah. They will
1: never sure. Them. Yeah. You're not gonna. You're not gonna win. Sure.
0: After the evening comes, the last thing that Connie read there a moment ago, where did Jesus go? Adam's <laughs> What a day, right? What a day. So I want you to imagine that you had been in the temple that day. You, you were there because it's what you were supposed to do. You may have known Jesus. You may have been aware of Jesus. You may not have really know Jesus at all. But you see all of this. What about your reaction to all of this would be? Let's get
2: out of here. <laughs> Let's get out of here. I think it would depend on where your heart is. I'm sure there were treats of the Levites who see Jesus doing this and was like, I'm glad somebody probably had enough nerve to do it. Right. But there are others who probably probably think, you know, this guy, he ain't got the right to come here and do this and everything I think it's just depends on where your heart was
0: at. Right. Anybody else? What might like you have been thinking? Yeah. Sure. And and kind of going back to what Mary said at the beginning, I'm, even this becomes like a rote thing that you do. We go there for Passover, we make these sacrifices, but this hadn't happened before, and so maybe it opens your mind up to sort of a different way of thinking. Like, you know, I've always just assumed that it was they were that they're going to be there. Like, I guess they should be there. We we there's many things in our life that we just sort of assume that should happen. Uh, I always <clears throat> we do this lesson with students uh, about the the national anthem. Why do we play national anthem before ballgame? Custom. Yes. We always, but I didn't ask custom. I said why. They don't play it before you go to the movies. It's like and here comes a Richard Burton movie, all right? Let's play. That's when they only have forty eight stars. Like, but anyway, they don't play the national anthem right there if they played the national anthem before you watched the movie tonight you would say that's the stupidest thing you have ever done <laughs> but, when they fought, but when we think about things sometimes things become customary the reason that they did is they started in 1918 during the World Series but we got to go back to that but, but we become sort of custom now but when you saw the money changers every year we went they're over there changing money they're robbing us blind. but we got to do it but now as you said Maria now somebody's sort of Challenge that they've seen that, like you said, Ben. Somebody might have said, "Finally, somebody took care of that." And so when you go home, your thoughts going home are, "Well, that's why different." They
2: make a valid point in why they did that. Right. But I think overall, that Andrew probably been upset. People don't like the message their tradition. Sure, sure. We're going to have church on or well, We're going to have church at three o'clock in the afternoon, and we're not going to
0: do it. People get. Back <laughs> We'd and read our- and say, well, I need to read that Bible harder than they ever have before, trying to find where that's not, where it says that there in the Scripture. I want to go to John chapter 2 real quick. Uh, Go to John chapter 2 with me if you don't mind. But John chapter 2, which I said at the beginning, we're going to be spending most of our time at the end of Gospels. But John chapter 2 is quite literally at the very beginning of what happens. But in John chapter 2, starting in verse 13, The Bible, my Bible says Jesus cleanses the temple. This story is really similar. In fact, there's debate on this story, and I don't really know which side I fall on this debate. First of all, I've said quite, I've said several times that Bible history is not necessarily written the way that we write history today. We write history chronologically. Bible history is not necessarily always written chronologically. And so there is debate because this story, we're going to read this, this should sound Almost exactly like what we just read uh, at the end of Mark. okay, And what you would read at the end of Matthew and at the end of Luke. And so there's a question about, did Jesus cleanse the temple twice? Or did Jesus cleanse the temple once? And is the story just told in a different spot in John versus in the other three Gospels? I will proclaim no answer. I will leave that entirely up to you. As to what it would be, I, I have thoughts on it, but I'll let you consider those uh, and you can make your own decision. I don't know if it matters, but I think you can, uh, I'll let you think about it uh, here as we go. But Tom, here's
1: the principle of what it's
0: saying. The principle is the same. And what I really want you to see right here is, I want, when we get done with this, I want you to say, wait, we already talked about that. Tom, you can ever read John 2, John 2, 13 through 17.
2: he had made a whip of cords he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overturned the table and he said to those who sold do take these things away do not make my father's house a house of house and his disciples remembered that it was written zeal for your house that he would be
0: of it booty care to read 18 to 22 Alright, so if we want to call this the first cleansing of the temple, we can do it that way. Just real quick on some things that we saw there. It's very similar to what we had read, uh, especially the first handful of verses of Tom. According to John, Jesus cleansed the temple another time very early in his ministry. Why had Jesus gone to Jerusalem in John chapter 2 and verse 13? It was fast, But Jesus' ministry lasts for three years, and Passover happens every year, so it's reasonable to think that multiple Passovers would have come uh, during this time. Who does Jesus find in his temple, or find in the temple in John 2 and verse 14? Okay. Those who sold oxen and sheep and doves, right? That's what we saw just a moment ago. What does Jesus do then? it okay. said he made a whip of cords, then he did what? Drove out what? Out the Drove them out of the temple along with the sheep and oxen, it says. Uh, he poured out the what? Poured out the changers' money, and he did what? Overthrew, Overthrew the temple. And then last, what did he tell those that sold the doves? Take these things away, right? Make not my father's house a what? House of Merchants. that story sound familiar? So I'll leave it up to you. I don't know if it's a repeat story. It feels like if you did it once, a couple years later, they wouldn't have been shot by it, but I don't know. Uh, It's entirely, again, I don't think it really matters like what Don said there just a minute ago, that the same sort of thoughts were in Jesus' head, but as somebody who taught school for a long time, you tell them not to do something, and the next day they do. Even though we went over it yesterday, they still do. So sometimes we can fuss about things, and it still doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily take. I really want to go to the latter part, what Boo read there uh, just a moment ago. At this action of Jesus, his disciples remembered something that had been written in Psalm 69. nine nine. What had the psalmist said as quoted in John chapter 2 and verse 17. So zeal, zeal for your house has eaten me up. And so, when the Jews asked for a sign, what did Jesus answer them? The be told now, and build three days. So you're at the temple. Think back to that picture that we looked at from the beginning. Think back to other pictures of the temple we've seen. What Ben has presented in his classes as well. That is a big place. This church is not the temple. The temple way bigger than anything that we're saying here. This is a small house compared to what the temple would have been. So Jesus says, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Now most of us, most of y'all probably about like me, you're probably smarter than this, uh than me about this, the ability to build a home, right? I don't know anything about building a home. But I know something that's big, I going to look at that and say, hey, right? it's probably going to take a while to build that. When somebody says, tear down this temple, and in three days I'll build it back, what do you think the people's thoughts were? That's crazy. That doesn't make sense, right? Mathematically, that doesn't make we can't build this. first of all take three days to tear it down and longer. We aren't going to be able to build this back. Remember, they really said that as for a sign. How long has the temple been under construction? John chapter 2, verse 4? Essentially, what we said, they've been building on that thing forever, right? There's no way you can get it done in a weekend. But what was Jesus talking about? He was talking about the temple of his body. But how long would it be? How long was it before they realized what he had been talking about? Not until after he was raised. raised. So I want us to go back and kind of what Mary talking about to finish up tonight. The old law sort of required you to think about things in a concrete, physical way. The law said I need to have these sheep, and I need to have these oxen, and I need to give this hard coin. And if I don't have this hard coin, I have to exchange it with another hard coin that allows me to get the one that I want. The temple that we spend our life going to for Passover and for for, for our culture and for our social and for our religious reasons, this hard physical building that in many cases is almost as if they came and worshipped. That all gets done away with by what Jesus will be teaching, which is a genuine sacrifice. A sacrifice that's not graspable for most humans. The willingness to go and die on a cross so that I can help you. See, I totally have no problem killing a cat or killing a sheep getting a little bit of money to give. But if you're asking me to die, that's a bridge too far. But what Jesus is saying here is that he is going to do that. And he's going to be torn down. But in three days, it's going to be risen back up. The kingdom of Jesus would be far greater than any building made of sticks or
1: something. Just think about the master plan of all of this from the very get-go to yes. the death on the cross. I mean, it is. It's just amazing. But the teaching process, and this, what we looked at tonight, is, is one element in sure. his teaching. And there were so many more.
0: Absolutely. The temple
1: was not built. It's you know, where God
2: would come and dwell. Yep. The old days it was the tabernacle, that tragedy. But they would actually be able to see and feel God's presence coming into that tent, and that hadn't happened forever because of their sin and their rebellion and everything else. Mm-hmm. Jesus is saying, you know, God is here. He's in this temple. He's coming to dwell in this body. This is God's temple. I'm here in presence." You know, and people kind of lose track of them.
0: Sure. Other thoughts? Yes. Uh, I think that sometimes too, it would
1: be really important for us to understand that the apostles sometimes had zero. There are things in the Bible that I have not the slightest idea of what God is talking about. Right. I, mean, I don't understand. But we walk by faith. Okay? They believed it and they pressed on and they hung on to Jesus even though they didn't understand life's problems and, and, and things that happened. That's, that's the lesson for us. We don't understand everything. We just do our way how to handle
2: it. Sure. Anybody else?